There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is DTC Growth Hacking with Rob McGray. Brought to you by Field Test. Advertising Simplified. Hi, I'm Rob McGray, and this is DTC Growth Hacking, presented by Field Test. One of the ongoing debates that has been longstanding in in marketing has been this role of brand and where it sits in the hierarchy of things. And some companies, they really um, have embraced this idea of brand, and some value it, I think, over everything else. Brands like maybe Apple or Coca-Cola or Disney, where those brands just alone are, are valued somewhere in the billions of dollars. Um, and so I'm really super excited. Today, uh, I've, I've managed to convince my friend Ezekiel Abramson to, to join us. He was my former colleague at Disney, uh, where he oversaw digital for LATAM, and he later uh, helmed creative based out of the, the United Kingdom. He's now in what we all call post-Disney life. Um, and I know there's a product called Disney Life, so it's not post that. It's just post being a Disney executive. And he's really been building a name for himself as a top tier brand strategist. And we've been spending some time talking about exactly what that means. And it's super cool. And I'm super excited to be speaking to him and really diving in to what brand means and what it should mean not only to those big industry titans, but also for newcomers and startups like Ezekiel. How are you? Hey, how are you? Good to good to talk to you again. Thank yeah, you so much yeah. for, for having me. No, and I, I I appreciate you coming and and doing this with me. And I really wanted to congratulate you on uh, the launch of 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 your new endeavor. It's so exciting, and uh, I and you know I, I I can't stop talking to people about it. So uh, you know, and 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 I I will I will reveal reveal to our listeners that I've seen some of the the work that Ezekiel's been doing, he's been nice enough to share it with me. And it's, uh, it's just, it gets me reinvigorated about the work that, that I used to do and the work that I kind of am jealous that you get to do now. And I'm just, I'm so excited to see you out there doing this. Can you, can you talk a little bit about, about the work you're doing today? Yeah, basically, well, after 22 years at Disney, I left or I exited the company uh, during the pandemic last year, um, it's been less than a year, to be honest. So um, in this kind of a year, I've been at the beginning um, trying to see what's next for me um, because I didn't have much ideas. Um, and um, and I found out that I love a lot of things. Uh, I love strategy because I've I've been an executive at Disney for so many years, managing businesses, brands, teams. Um, So looking um, at the business long term is something that I learned and and I admire. So so I love strategy. And 
I've been my whole life um, dedicated to creativity. My purpose in life is inspiring people through creativity. And I've done it in, since I was a kid, you know, drawing cartoons of my teachers or my friends. And, uh, and uh, you know, I didn't study because I spent hours in school drawing. So, <laughs> so really, really, I've been uh, in creativity since I was born. Um, so I, I basically found out that I, I would be great at helping companies, especially leaders, not the companies, you know, they are people, um, to find what I call the transformational path to growth um, through brand building. And it's basically uh, understanding who they are, uh, what do they want to achieve long term, and, uh, and help clarify different, different parts of, um, of what I call the brand strategy um, that would help them, um, uh, I would say, walk through the path uh, of that journey. Now, uh, the company is not yet created, but I've been building it since, since I started. It's called Lalo. I don't even have a website yet. Um, it's in LinkedIn if you want to, to search for them. Um, and we've been helping um, great companies so far. When I started, I promised myself, kind of uh, developing the vision, that I would help 100 brands in 10 years. Wow. Okay. And yeah, I said the same thing. Wow. <laughs> How am I going to do it? And so far, I helped yeah. 10 already. So, okay, so wow. Okay. So you're kind of ahead. So I'm. I don't know, maybe it slows down later, but, but it seems that I'm, I'm kind of either not ambitious enough uh, for the long term or I'm going too fast and I should slow yeah. down. I don't know. I, I, you know, I remember when I, when I kind of um, went through that, that process of leaving Disney and starting to integrate myself with, with the, the outside world and outside businesses. And one of the things that struck me early on was, you know, at Disney, um, and, and you were, you know, you were there, uh, basically almost four times longer than I was, but, but, you know, at Disney, a lot of the brand stuff becomes second nature, right? It's already been kind of laid out for you. They, Disney has done a pretty good job of creating their brand promise and everything, you know, in, in theory kind of wraps around that. And, and they've, they've got a method to almost decide, like, is that Disney enough or is that not Disney? And, you know, and it's not always, it doesn't always work. But when I went outside and I think I was mentoring with Techstars and I was meeting these companies and it became very clear that they had not given any thought to brand. That, you know, it was, the colors were the colors they liked the font looked cool. Like it was all about like, that's cool. That's rad. That's safe. Like they would come up with a way to figure it out. It was, you know, I remember talking to some people and there, I was like, why did you go with like bright green, like a, like a puke green and like yellow and black. And they're like, because it's loud and we're loud and we're cool. And it was like, no, you're, it's ugly. Like, like, no, no, that's not the way, that's not the way to think about this. And I wonder, like, when you first started talking about this, like, what was on the, on the, on, on the scale of one to 10, like, where did, 
people's understanding of of brand as as you and I think about it, where did they land? It's, it's uh, interesting what you mentioned because yeah, um, Disney is so big and and so um, you know it's almost a hundred years old. So generations after generations were adding value, creating uh, great content, uh, great entertainment, and sustaining those brands through quality, through engagement, through so many, many things um, in person, in the parks, through the movies, uh, in digital, you know, you name it. The DNA is everywhere. And, and even the interns can judge quality because they are so well trained. Uh, it's a great stuff. However, everyone becomes uh, uh, what I call the brand sommelier. <laughs> they actually say, mm-hmm. hmm, I don't know if this is right. And maybe this. This is not the right moment in the right time, and maybe that's not the right person to actually talk about this. But everyone feels entitled because brands, yeah. you, you can read the brand everywhere. So everyone is super empowered. Now, um, when I um, did my first step outside of the company, um, I wasn't prepared for the outside world because it was so much time and so focused on, on other stuff that I realized that although I had tons of experience on branding business. We talked about this. I had to unlearn the Disney way in order to help others because, mm. you know, many of the things that we know and we learned at, at companies like this, uh, like Disney, you, it only works for them because it's actually yeah. manually crafted. So um, I had to unlearn a lot of things and learn new things. I did tons of online courses and in-person courses and read tons of books to actually rewrite the code of what I understood and, and, and challenged my, my knowledge, my, my definitions. And I searched 20 different definitions of every single point of uh, or key uh, aspect of uh, branding and came up with a kind of a mashup that I believe is the average that I truly believe in and, uh, and I understand it as, as it is. And, I have examples to actually justify why I believe what I what I am sharing, um, but yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I I don't know. Um, I saw this not only after Disney, but actually during Disney, looking outside, helping friends, mentoring startups like you, um, you know, investing in companies uh, that nobody, most of the companies don't. Uh, care about one very important thing it is what do you mean to people you know yeah. what's the meaning of what you're doing not just the product the benefits the qualities you know the color you selected the type of executives you hire that's great for the operation of the business but what do you actually mean to them because brand defined uh, for example as defined by martin Meyer, one of the smartest people i know in, in branding he says that brand is not a logo, it's not a color, it's not the font, it's not the website, it's not your brochure, your packaging. A brand is what, what um, people feel about a product, a service, mm-hmm. or, or an organization. It's what they say you are, not what you say you are. So branding or, or brand would be, I don't know, the meaning that people attach to things. And branding is the... Um, I don't know, the effort you put to influence those feelings and, and build meaning on their minds. Yeah, yeah. I, I had this conversation um, with uh, 
um, a woman named Sarah Wagman Ellen Bogan the other day, and and she's the CEO of a company called Digifresh, and they do kind of like uh, a, you know traceability for any type of product where they can basically via a QR code trace it back to the source and all the different places it goes between where it comes from and when it gets to the customer. And we were talking about branding, and one of the things that that uh, she left me thinking about was this idea of you know, like, why does a company exist? And uh, I used to refer to it as like what the company's mission is, like, what's your mission? But now I, I've changed my language a little bit. And I, and I don't know if we ever talked about this, but I've been using the phrase in the last two days, what is your purpose? Mm-hmm. Right? Because I feel like as a, as, a, as a living, breathing thing, I am a human being. If I have no purpose, what is the point? Like, why am I here? If, if my goal is, I don't know what it is. I'm just kind of hanging around. And without purpose, I think you tend to get lost. You get depressed. And I think that, that when companies are unable to communicate the why, that we tend to like look at them almost like they're depressed, or, or what is, why would I buy that? You don't even know why you exist. And so I don't know how that fits into the puzzle of, of brand and where it sits, but I, I wondered, like, how do you talk about it? Like, I mean, I don't want to get into your process too deep right away, but like, do, do you think that's valid? Absolutely, yes. And it's pretty new. I mean, the, the word purpose and, the, and having a purpose is not new, but it's, it's pretty recent when it comes to marketing and, and branding and, and building businesses. Now, for me, I don't know what you understand a purpose, but purpose is what you want to achieve. Why do you exist? Why are you here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Apart from making money. Actually, purpose right. has nothing to do with money. And a lot of people may be confused what the purpose is saving the planet or you know being sustainable and, and it's really attached. Purpose purpose purposeful brands actually mm-hmm. uh, are sometimes tied to the concept of saving the planet, you know, helping people, UNICEF or, you know, Patagonia, uh, these type of companies, uh, big corporations, but uh, having a purpose is actually making the world a little bit better and, and facilitating or, or helping people a little bit. You know, it doesn't necessarily has to be um, um, uh, something to do with what we know, you know, uh, Nike, for example, wants to unite athletes in the world. It's unmeasurable. It's in, probably impossible, impossible to do it. Uh, yeah. But they want to unite people through sports. And, and that's the reason why they exist. And it aligns everything. And it, it's right. It's the why question. And uh, I believe it has tons to do with, um, with branding because... We don't buy brands. We actually unite brands. We join them. We are part of their tribes. And, and brands become part of our identity. So if it's going to be part of my life, and it's going to talk about myself. It's going to be part of my personal brand. You know, it has to make sense. It has to make sense yeah. to my identity. Now, um, I think there are, there are different levels why we maybe purchase things, but definitely 90 plus percent and science uh, explained this. Almost every decision we make is emotional, especially buying stuff. 
it's subconscious, you know, it's emotional, it's not rational. And let me give you an example, right? It's cold. So what do you need? The what? Do you need a coat, something that is mm-hmm. going to, you know, uh, you know, put you comfortable, right? What type of coat do you want? How do you want it? Is a rainy coat? It's a, you know, it's a raincoat, it's a something furry, I don't know, you know, of course, <laughs> fake. Uh, you know, the, the type of things. And and then once you selected that, which is a rational part, uh, comes the emotional. Where do I buy it? Yeah. You know, it's Prada, it's uh, Gucci, it's Adidas, you know, you know, it's where do you buy it? Same thing with food. You know, you're hungry. That's your primal what. The how is that, okay, I'm going to have a salad. You know, I'm, I'm rationalizing that I need to eat healthy. And where do you going? Where are you going to get it, right? I'm going to get it at Rob's house because it's, mm-hmm. he does a great Caesar salad. So that's emotional, you know. I make the I made the decision emotionally because it's part of my life. So um, we have a subconscious assessment when we choose brands because they are going to be part of our lives, and sometimes we judge why are they here. So it helps brands to actually verbalize and and explain to people why are they here? Because if they are, they are clear enough, they are going to maybe reach the people that have a similar purpose. And that's a win-win. Yeah. yeah. Hey, if, if we were to, to really look at the microcosm view of this, you know, I'm going to use you as an example because it's going to lead into my question that I have. You know, you, you start your, your kind of adulthood as an artist, Right. You talked about it a little bit earlier, you know, at a very young age, you knew you, you had a knack for drawing, you enjoyed drawing to, to quote yourself back to you instead of studying, you were drawing pictures. Right. And I just picture little, little Ezekiel in the class, like drawing little cartoons and the teacher's like, come on, dude, you know, what, this is a difficult thing for, I think a lot of us that are in the creative world, but then have to transition to a more kind of, um, you know, I hate to call it this, but straight laced type of existence, Mm -hmm. like an executive at Disney for the most part is not necessarily in a creative, creative role, you know, an executive at Disney, at least from my experience was you are overseeing creative endeavors, but the reason you're doing that is for the benefit of the business and the things that you're concentrating on as a leader in an organization are like, you know, PL bottom line, like you're, you're participating in the business. Mm-hmm. And I wonder as like a, as an artist, how you were able to, I don't want to use the word rationalize, but how you were able to not lose yourself during that transition and you, you were in a corporate role for 20 something years. Did you feel like you were losing that? Cause you know, that purpose of creating art or were you able to maintain it somehow? Lost it a little bit, but, um, but I gained uh, other aspects of um, professional life and personal life that are definitely matched or at least, uh, at least surpassed my expectations. Now I joined Disney um, as a freelance illustrator, drawing the characters. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, when I joined uh, the company, I had to approve creative materials through Latin Amer- throughout Latin America 
and sometimes I did it through fax, okay? And, and I left the company, um, you know, dealing with projects on virtual reality and voice assistance and, you know, two decades of an amazing, a massive change in the world that, uh, yeah. that I was able to actually experience and witness first row with probably one of the best in the world to actually do some of these things. So, so I was super honored and, and, um, and privileged to actually go through that. Now, when I joined Disney, um, I, my expectation was that I would end up at Pixar or, or maybe at, at you know, the Walt Disney Studios drawing characters for a movie. And long-term for me was artistic. Um, Mm-hmm. But I quickly got in love of technology, of, of the online world that started late in the 90s. And, um, and nobody understood that in the company in Latam. And I became the internet guy, the guy that, uh, the online kid, you know, like uh, developing from scratch. And without even knowing, I became an entrepreneur, the company kicking off hundreds of things, you know, building teams, you know. Uh, from scratch to operate um, the online operation, the uh, digital ad sales, we kick it off, the digital distribution in Latin America, I traveled around the region explaining to mobile carriers that they could download wallpapers and ringtones. And this world mm-hmm. was coming because I learned from my peers at Disney in the US and Japan particularly. Um, and uh, I, I carried with that in my portfolio to actually do this. And, and I started to learn how to negotiate, how to become a, a business guy, you know, wearing suits and, uh, mm-hmm. and traveling business. And, and that started to have a different flavor. Um, and I loved it. And during my whole career at Disney, not, not a year was similar to the previous one or the, or the, or the next one. So I, it wasn't the typical corporate job you know like uh, you're sitting in a cubicle for 20 years you know you better die you know my life changed in so many angles um during that tenure so it helped me cope with creativity because i had to create new businesses i had to build teams train people write job descriptions in the digital era that nobody understood or nobody knew you know the community managers before we called community managers to them you know we had to invent what do we need to do in this world because mm-hmm. we were ahead right you, you know this yeah so yeah. so it was super fun and super interesting and i grew a lot so my my art my artist kind of let this happen you know i don't know for for some reason it, it happened and i'm super grateful because now i can do both and i know about those you know art and uh business planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. What, what, I, what I always admired about, um, you know, I guess you, but, but through your disposition in, in our, in, as we collaborated was that I, I loved, when I worked for Disney, I loved Disney. Like I did. And I think that you kind of, you can choose not to, or you can choose to. And to some people it's a job. But to some people, it feels like a bigger calling. And, and I think that's one of the great things that Disney has done through their legacy is to, to give you purpose when you work there, right? And it might be an illusion, but you, it feels real to you. Hmm. And I think I was one of those people who I, I had such pride in the brand and felt like that it was my duty in a way to protect it and stand up for it. And I would get myself into all kinds of trouble. And you know this, that I just, I just couldn't keep my mouth shut when I thought that somebody or something or some group was disrespecting the brand by doing subpar, or at least I considered subpar work. Now it's not to say that I'm right or wrong, but I was just fueled by such passion. And I always felt that you had, figured out how to keep a much better perspective of things where you understood that. And I think you shared that love. I don't want to speak for you, but, but I get the, I got the sense and I still do that you shared that love for the company, but you also knew that you had to restrain parts of yourself that were inappropriate for the position. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We we all change a little bit in different contexts, you know, with your friends, with your family, um, you know, in sports or the gym um, and uh, even at work. We all show different characteristics of our own. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I was lucky to, to actually, um, I don't know, be myself for most of the time. But, um, but yeah, I'm not... Um, politician material. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I knew that from the beginning. I'm an artist and I'm lazy on politics. I hate them and I always avoid it, which kept me in a lot of trouble because 
sometimes I avoided conflict and for leading, you can't avoid conflict, but I had to. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know, I, I'm open-minded and, and um, I always found a positive side of things, even in the hardest times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's so weird to look back on. And um, I mean, I, I, can remember, I can remember being with you and we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago. I can remember being with you when I was down there and you saying point blank to me. I think you asked me, can I ask you a question? And I said, <laughs> sure. And you said, like, why can't you just like, you know, basically shut up and let things just be, you know, why can't you close your mouth? And, and I, for whatever reason, I can't change the past. Right. And the way I've, I've figured out how to live with, with my own behavior in the organization was like that I really cared. And I just, you know, I'm not a politician and I, I saw what was happening to, you know, what, and this is not, this is not unique to Disney. I think it's any large corporation where your primary mode is survival. You know, like you're at a media company, you're in a good spot, you're getting paid well, like you've got your kids in private school, like, you know, you got your 401k and your stock options and there's a lot at risk. And, you know, a lot of people go a hundred percent on, I need to protect my egg, you know? So anything that I do that, that would put that at risk, I need to manage. And I felt like I was way on the other side, which was, I wasn't, I was stupidly not thinking about those things because I really just thought like our goal here is to create the best of whatever we're doing. And, and again, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's my opinion of what's best, which is not necessarily right, but it was, you know, I knew enough, right? I knew enough to be able to explain why that wasn't great. And, uh, I don't know. It's weird. I, 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 I think one of the things that, that would have been helpful at Disney, and this goes right back into our conversation about some of the things that you're thinking about is, it was never really completely clear who owned the brand. And to your point where everybody felt that it was a shared sense of ownership and we would debate like who was right and who was wrong, which is what I like to do. But there wasn't any like, like I always thought like, you know, when, when I, when I got to work a little bit with, um, you know, John Lasseter and Ed Catmull, and I know that, that John Lasseter is a controversial figure today, but to get to work with, with those, those fellas and their team and see how those, those guys operated and the work that they were producing, that Pixar quality work that later made its way into Disney animation. Like when they would speak, like you would really listen because they were, had, they had proven to be creatively superior right? They technically with Ed Catmull, and I, I would argue that, that, um, you know, film wise, like John Lasseter was, was like an incredible filmmaker and, and also like their ability to, to scout and, and harvest talent was incredible. Like that was the other thing that they were really good at was we can identify amazing talent and bring it in and make it part of our world. And, 
and now they needed that to be able to do that because they could only make so many movies themselves. And so I always thought like, you know, if you were able to take this type of talent and give it a role where it ultimately became what, what you refer to as the chief brand officer, like that would have been an undeniably brilliant move because you really couldn't argue with that team because they had done more and had proven to, to be really, really, really good, you know? And so, you know, you made a statement today the other day and you said that, you know, that brand is a strategic role. It is a strategy and marketing are the tactics to execute on that strategy. And I wonder if we could talk a little bit about that because I've gotten into trouble recently, um, specifically around this where, you know, I've tried to talk strategy to CMOs. And if you start to talk tactics with them, you can ultimately get yourself in a lot of trouble because it seems like you're, you know, criticizing the tactics. But the strategy is is like, to me, is is the most important thing. And I, I don't know what you're seeing or if you're able to get people to understand this shift in in the, the hierarchy of the organization itself. Yeah, I, I do believe that. Um, I didn't invent it. I actually bought it, kind of. You know, mm -hmm. I bought in the concept that brand is long-term. Brand, you know, the act, the, the practice of, of building a brand is, is definitely long-term and the main objective is to create relationships with consumers. Um, and it's, that's, that's why I, I believe it's more strategic and, and marketing is short-term. The, the main objective is to get transactions out of consumers. Now, you are not going to ask consumers to buy things from you three years from now. So you get the message and then please buy something out of me in 10 years. That's not marketing and it makes no sense. That's why I believe that um, we know enough now about consumers and the world. And, and I believe that brand and marketing should be at least separated. And, and uh, if you had to put it combined, brand is on top. Now, a lot of CMOs today in a lot of companies are actually CBOs, chief brand officers, but their names or titles, it's marketing, but they actually have a long-term vision and they have different marketing departments on the tactics. Um, but I, if you are building a company right now and you're listening to this podcast, Ezekiel from Lalo is actually telling you that you start by building your brand department and then you ask your brand department, how do you want the marketing served? You know, like, and, and you know, and, and and, and tactically decide what type of marketing do you want. Now, in, I don't know if you read this book. I read it tons of years ago. Marshall McLuffin, McLuffin you know, 1964, mm, he said a famous, you probably heard this. Uh, he said, medium is the message, you know? And in that time, in the 60s, I guess, he was maybe radio and television, you know, and newspapers, and, and mm -hmm. it started uh, becoming amazing. And if, you, if your brand wasn't in TV or radio, it didn't exist because King, you know, the, the, the medium was King, right? Then I, I would simplify it too much. Then the internet came in and, uh, and we started focusing on, on messaging and, and trying to get to people one-on-one, -on -one, globalization and everything. And, and um, 
the message was king. Let's say something to, to everyone, you know, and because we can reach. We were talking about reach, engagement. You know, we were fighting for followers. You know, we were super successful because we were growing in followers, but no return mm-hmm. in the business, you know. Um, right. But we were super happy because our message was getting there, right? But we weren't, we weren't getting the result, and uh, it was super short term. Now I believe that we can actually really understand consumers, and we need to focus on what they want and what they need. Uh, a lot of brands are focused on external problems. Hey, buy my car it has four wheels; it speeds up in six seconds. You know. Uh, buy my my sneakers or or this microphone it, you, 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 people are going to listen to you very you know, you know clear right features yeah. they what but actually why don't we focus on internal problems of people you know how donna miller says in his book um building a story brand it's a fantastic book about storytelling and branding i recommend it and and he points out that we need to focus on solving internal problems. I want to sound smart. That's my internal problem. And that's why I need a quality microphone. That's mm-hmm. the what. But the first is the why. I, I want to sound smart, you know, professional, quality. Right. You know. That's the why. And, and so you need to, you know, what branding does is understanding that and putting in place a framework to actually connect with those consumers and show why this brand has the solution for that. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Sorry, that's why I, I believe that just reaching people, investing in programmatic and putting the great creative, but not, not knowing who you are, who's your consumer, what problem are you solving, uh, it doesn't help. And you need to understand that in the long run, because people is going, to, as I mentioned, you know, you're going to be part of their lives. So it's a lifetime thing. Yeah, and so it sounds to me like when you when you go in, and, and I know you've, you know, you're still in your first year, but you you you've had some experience at this point with at least ten companies. Um, do you find yourself playing therapist? Uh, you know, as part of this, because I'm trying to think of like how you get out of a, gr- a group of leaders, like what is your purpose and, and trying to align, you know, anytime there's more than one person, it gets complicated. And, you know, the the brand or the company is the, are the leadership team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you're going to need to get them to work really hard to create that brand um, in order to be, they, they become the ultimate brand ambassadors. So they need to understand it and they need to buy into it and they need to, I, I would think buy it and really buy into your process and embrace your process. Like how, how do you even evaluate if somebody's serious about doing the work? Well, first of all, about you know, being serious, 
um, I was lucky because you know, I like to work with these small to medium companies because I work um, directly with the CEO. You know, the CEO, especially if it's the founder, um, is usually the why, you know, for the founders. Yeah. And uh, for, I don't accept uh, any client that is not involved in that way. I don't work with the um, head of anything if it's not the CEO so far, right? I, I've, been, I've been lucky about that because you can actually, you know, if the CEO is invested in the brand, you know, this company is serious about it and it, it wants yeah. to achieve whatever they want to achieve because even the number one in the company, even if it's 10 people, is, you know, leading with the example, you know? Um, and, and it feels like therapy because I try to get, you know, build brands out of the truth and not based on trends. Like, okay, make me look like uh, Apple mm -hmm. or, oh, I wish I was something like Bang & Olufsen. I don't know, I'm naming a lot of companies. But um, it really feels, because I ask existential questions, tough questions, difficult uh, conversations. Sometimes they don't have the answers, so we need to talk more and, and you know, come up with a lot of exercises and... and um, I feel like Inspector Gadget. Do you know that? Remember that character? Uh huh. Yeah. Because I do creative thinking, I do strategy, I do business consulting, I uh, I do design. Um, I sometimes help uh, on marketing uh, discussions. I uh, make and talk about collaboration and and advice on innovation and uh, agile methodologies. And I talk about psychology and neuroscience because, you know, emotions come from our brains and, and we need to understand the human brain in order to talk about the emotions. And, and so we need to talk about science in there. So, so I feel like I have a tons of gadgets um, that I put in the table and, and we use whenever we need, but in really open and collaborative conversations where people open about what they believe the company should do or should um, build. What's the future? Yeah. Uh, because it, it's going to represent them. And it, and I always explain that um, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And um, and I always say this because a lot of people do this, you know, brand strategy, they get this fantastic deck with great thoughts and statements and beautiful worlds and design. And then it goes to a shelf or, or a drawer, you know. They never look back. And they continue hiring people and they don't tell these people, these newcomers, uh, what they are here for. You know, right. I, I would start an interview by explaining why are we here and see the face of the person I have in front of me and see the reaction and see if they buy in on my purpose and my vision. And then we can talk about what you did last year. And then, yeah. more importantly, what are, are you going to do for the next five years for me? But I would definitely start by checking in on, on my vision, on, on my purpose. Uh, otherwise, why do I have it? Yeah. I mean, I, I can remember spending time with, when I spent time with you and your team, and you had a gift for allowing the team to do the work. I remember that very distinctively, that you, you had a method of stepping back and letting your people have the conversations and, and go through the process and come up with the results and feel the 
and, and, and celebrate the success of the work that they were doing. And that to me, it was very much in line with what, like a, what a consultant does, right? You're going in and you're activating that same excitement, mm -hmm. um, you know, but in, in, in the case that you described with the executive team and allowing the executive team to have some fun as well. Cause you know, this as much as I do, like when you're just stuck in the, the pressure cooker of like the business itself, it can get somewhat tedious and make you single-minded and you tend to forget some other things that are key. So I, I can see like as a, as a, as a CEO of a company, enjoying the journey that, that you're going to bring the, you know, bring me through, you know, have you gotten any, like the feedback that you get from the folks who go through your workshops and your process, like what kinds of things are they saying to you about it? Um, at the beginning they are lost because I come with a, a <laughs> an arsenal of questions and, and, um, graphics and, uh, theories and everything and then um, it, it's kind of pulp fiction you know like um, we start from the beginning but then we jump to the end to check something mm -hmm. in and then we go back you know design thinking is kind of building while, while uh, you know while uh, while thinking at the same time I always by the way I never understood design thinking because I was a, I, I was always a designer so I always thought about the designer so why do you mean what do you mean by design thinking right it's thinking like myself um, so I help them build the strategy while we are discussing and I'm cleaning up every single day. Now, um, um, I, I think building a strategy is like building a gym. You know, you, you need to put everything you need in case you need it, but it has to be there. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, with the tactics you mentioned or, or activities, business or whatever, you define the routines. You know, you, you have a routine and then you follow. And then the personal trainer would help or not, but you know what to do one day, right? So I teach to fish. I don't give the fish. And, and um, I learned that, obviously, at, at Disney as well, that we had a lot of vendors that wanted to tell Disney what to do with the brand or or really re, uh, you know, take you know the brief and come back two months later with something finished, you know. You can't tell these companies that are so aware of what they need and what they want and the brands uh, what to do. You need to actually make them do it and help them do it better and know how to make decisions based on rationale, not, not just reading the script. So I really, really like to come up with um, answers to these questions with them at the same time because it's better for them. It's the same for me. I can create the answers. I can create the purpose for a company, but it doesn't help them to actually believe on it. It might sound great, but what if they come, come up with it? What if I help them build uh, an agreement uh, across leadership to actually align? Because, by the way, I, I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but having a strategy early at the beginning aligns everything. Every decision you make has to be true to the brand. And if you do this, you're going to connect with your consumer, emotionally, I guess, with your consumers so well that they are going to buy from you, even if you are more expensive. They are willing to pay a premium because they are emotionally attached to you because you mean something to them. 
others are going to see you happy and so uh, uh, proud of what you've just pur purchased or hired that they want it the same. They want the same and they, they are going to follow you and they're going to have the same that Rob has. I want it because I saw his smile, yeah. right? So exponentially growth, uh, sorry, it brings exponential growth uh, so much that uh, you start beating your competition, growing in rankings, you know, ratings are great. Um, and, uh, and the morale in the company is fantastic because you're winning, you're growing, you're positive and people outside want to work with you. You know, they call you and say, hey, I don't know what you're doing, but I want to be with you. So uh, it's a virtuous cycle based on just aligning everything through the brand strategy and, and keeping it that way. And the more you as an executive know uh, that, that strategy, because you build it, the better, because it's natural for you to make decisions out of it. Yeah. I, I think you're, um, I'm having a little bit of a, of a um, epiphany here. What what you are able to do, and I think that you are uniquely qualified to do this because of not only your background and experience, but your level of patience, is that you're able to slow down a process that you know you or I might do in our head in like a couple minutes, right? And what I'm hearing is that you are able to slow it down, explain it, and show others that process in a non-threatening way that they feel a sense of ownership and they're basically building the tool that you already have. It's almost like you disassemble the tool and they put it back together and in rebuilding it, it feels like theirs now. It's not yours anymore. It's theirs. And, and in theory, when that's working and it's working well and everybody has access to the same tools, the message to the to the consumer is consistent on brand however you want to phrase it is is the right messaging you know and and i i know how difficult that can be and i i also know that i i might not have the patience to to be able to pull it off as consistently as you um but but i feel like where i get hung up is that and I mentioned it early on is that some of these brands don't feel like they even have a brand, right? They're, you know, like, like for example, um, affiliate marketing, right. Became something that, that was really big, which is just like, Hey, I'm just gonna, I don't make the product and I don't make any of the copy. I'm just going to figure out how to like do use marketing hacks to get people to buy. And it didn't really require any brand. And I've also seen, situations where people who spend a lot of time, small businesses specifically selling on Amazon, spend a lot of time building their brand only to have it copied by some competitor with a knockoff product that they can basically, and then run ads on that, on that company's like Amazon product page. And so then it becomes like, well, what's the point if somebody can just steal it from me and the customer doesn't know. So, as much as I, I and I believe a hundred percent in all of this, and I'm and I, I this is what I live for, but I also like don't know how to answer that question of like, well, why are we going to do this if somebody can just copy it or steal it from us, or if the customer doesn't really know? You know? Yeah, I I don't know. I 
Um, I'm trying to think of, of an analogy, but um, um, I built a process um, based on what I thought I needed to help companies, and I'm still building it. Is I'm I, I don't know a constant beta, I guess, that I'm um, um, tailoring uh, the methodologies um, and, and building it as I work with companies, and I'm improving it more and more because I learn new things. Um, for example, I, I, I made a decision uh, early at the beginning that I wanted to become, I wanted to consult internationally, right? Um, so I selected, I selected, I accepted, I called uh, companies in different markets. I helped a company in Dubai, in France, in Netherlands, in Spain, Argentina, um, and um, uh, what else? I'm forgetting, Italy, right? And couple of other countries, more in Argentina, obviously people know me more in Latin America. Uh, I specifically wanted to learn from different industries. So I have a PR agency, a consultant, a management, management consultant, a music company, a um, TV content company, an education company. So I'm learning from different industries. And what I'm, le- what I'm finding out is that the methodology is proven. It doesn't matter if, you know, if there are cultural aspects from one country to the other. English or Spanish or Portuguese, or the industries, you know, um, music and PR, or or landing companies in Dubai, or or helping schools to manage kids. It doesn't matter. Managing the brand faces the same problems and and, and challenges for for different companies at the same time. So so I I was able to actually uh, future proof uh, mm-hmm. that the process. Uh, help some words and um, he asked me you know what do they say well um, at, at the end of the day I, I don't know you, you should ask them not me what they say but mm-hmm. um, I don't have a website to see testimonials but I have great feedback and especially especially not necessarily because of the brand uh, some companies I helped with designing the visual identity and they like it but especially because they changed the mindset they think yeah. different. They see different. It's like Neo in the Matrix when they he understands the code. You know, he can fight mm-hmm. different. He's more comfortable with fighting, and uh, and I that's I think the um, the value I like to add you know, that I empower yeah. others to make better decisions. Yeah, that's really cool. So, I mean, those breakthroughs are so powerful. Um, and and I, I like the Neo thing because I think everybody knows when Neo's you know, blocking Agent Smith. Um, it, it, you know, it's just, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's such an invaluable exercise and one that, that all companies should do. And, 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 you know, I'm really surprised, right? I've gone through a lot of these accelerator programs with companies that I mentor and not a lot of time is spent on brand. You know, you spend a significant amount of time, you know, honing the pitch and learning how to talk to investors. And, you know, I mean, essentially, and you do spend time on your business model, but I don't remember any specific, like, without maybe like a guest speaker coming in and talking about it. I don't remember these companies having to like go through a process to really understand where they fit in the world and why they're doing what they're doing. And to your point, I would think that that would be like the first thing you would do, 
He was like, well, why do we want to even do this? Like, if you're going to do a startup, you're basically signing up on a, on pretty much a suicide mission, right? As like the, the stats are not, the odds are not on your side. Like the, the, the failure to success rate is, is extremely high. And I know everybody thinks they're going to be the next like Mark Zuckerberg and that's the right attitude. But at the end of the day, that's probably not going to happen. But I think of these companies and the, the value that these programs could have if as part of that three month, you know, you know, accelerator program, if one day a week or two days a week was spent with a, with a person like you figuring out like, who are we? Like, how are we going to communicate this to the world? Like, why? You know, and, and letting you, that kind of flow. I told you the other day, um, um, for me, it's like, um, if you are racing in Formula One, uh, let's say that you're, you want to qualify, right? And they, you're building your company, it's like racing in Formula One, and you decide to, to kick off the race in the 10th position, 11th, I don't know. Hey, you raise your hand and say, can I go 12th? Yeah. You know? <laughs> I want to go last. You're actually this, by not having a brand strategy, even, even if you're in your early stage, uh, you're deciding to be far behind and have less chances to succeed. So I, I always read these numbers, 95, 98, depending on the country, 90, 98% of startups fail. And people mm. wonder why. Well, there are multiple reasons, but I definitely believe that one is no brand. Not no brand, mm. sorry. They mean nothing to consumers. And that's why they can't sell and they can't survive. Yeah. What's, what's a, a good example for the listeners of a company that you, maybe you don't know them, but you've, you believe that they have done the work. Like when you see their external, um, pre, like what they come off as externally, that you can tell that they've done a lot of work figuring out their brand strategy. I, well, there are some obvious examples, right? But um, one that I love, and I actually heard the story the other day, is Peloton. You know, have a Peloton. Mm -hmm. um, I always hated fixed bikes, like boring. Like, why am I going to sit down in a room biking? I, if yeah. I want to bike, I'm, I'm doing it outside. Why anyone would sit down to, you know, looking at a wall, you know, cycling, right? Um, and uh, it took, I don't know, uh, these guys, 30 years of internet to actually come up with a solution for this which is uh, putting a screen on the, you know, but not to watch TV, to actually have a fitness experience, right? And they did it in a way, uh, understanding what we need. So these guys do not just give you um, every coach, every trainer, I don't know how they call it, you know, the stars of, of Peloton. They, they actually give the class and they have content they coach you they talk about life problems you know they know that if you're sitting here you're facing a challenge whether if you want to be healthy you're going back on rehab i don't know you want to be better and they understand mm -hmm. that you're doing it not because of external problems because you're facing internal things you need to achieve something for you that's why you're sitting and cycling and i i i get to know the experience from within and it's amazing what they did the quality of the content 
the quality of the experience, the product. And I heard the story of the founder, I don't remember the name. He pitched 400 times and nobody cared about his product, his project. Nobody saw yeah. this coming. Um, the unboxing and the uh, onboarding of the process when you start with them, the follow-ups they do with customer service, calling and writing to see if you're well, if you if you liked it, um, the quality of um, you know, the social media engagement, the network and the tribe that they built. You know, they built a community that is super fun of this, and they are giving them tools to actually evangelize and bring others yeah. to the tribe. It's amazing, and and it's a new case. Um, that I, I love. What do you think their brand promise is? Like, what do you, th- when they came up with like, like their purpose, what do you think it was? I mean, maybe you were actually no, but I, I don't know. know I should is. know. No, I should know uh, if I'm giving you the example, but I, I believe they are here to uh, help us feel better with our bodies, with ourselves. You know, yeah. um, you, you're never going to be able to measure that. You might get yeah. feedback and, and ratings from people, right? You, you might they might do surveys and and uh, studies around consumer engagement, but they are never ever going to understand the impact. And that's I believe is a is a great uh, a way of, of, of doing yeah. it. But As you, you were tell, describing you all these, they are here to they are here to to make us better. When you were describing all the different facets of of what they provide. At first, I thought to myself, maybe it, like their goal is to make people overall healthier, but healthier doesn't necessarily mean happier, right? And and to me, I think what they're what they're probably trying, what they're probably standing behind is we're gonna we're gonna make people's lives better because that community aspect, that tribe, that social media, that those interactions, the the physical you know, exercise itself, the endorphins when, when they're released, like everything's making you feel better. And so if, if that is true and they are now looking at everything they do under that lens. So it's like, Hey, this message, does this message make somebody feel better, you know, or does it make them feel shitty? So I found it online. Okay. Uh, so apparently someone said that their purpose is to connect the world through fitness empowering people to be the best version of themselves anywhere, anytime, right? So there it is, the best. Yeah, better. Uh, we're not here to sell the company uh, at one billion, or we are not here mm-hmm. to be the number one. Probably they want to, but the purpose has nothing to do with position or, or business or money or amount of employees yeah. or brand value. It has to do with helping others. Yeah, and and helping the, their customers specifically. Yes. We... I, I believe we are living in the in a revolution. The, the branding I call it the branding era, and um, I, as I define it, there are three huge battlegrounds uh, in branding right now. One is the attention economy. It's so cluttered, you know, so many plat- devices with so many platforms uh, pushing so many con- so so much content uh, through so many formats. Now we are in, you know, we um, we are impressions, and they are fighting for one second of our attention. So if you really want to succeed in the attention economy, you have to be focused. You need to know yeah. what to say and who to say it. 
and when to say it and where are they. So, so of course, there are a lot of tactics, but particularly connecting why they want something like your brand or your product, it's going to help you uh, focus and, and raise the attention, connecting emotion. The second economy, the second battleground is the creative economy. We are all designers and producers, and there are so many platforms with you know platforms or, or software like Canva or you know or Instagram with the filters and and Snapchat and so many social media tools that help uh, regular people, not professionals in branding or marketing, to actually look cool and look great. Yeah. So. To win in the creative economy, uh, you have to be really original and quality on the roof. You know, you have to invest in design, quality, and and um, I would I would say in a creative team or partner to actually succeed. Engaging with this with in this world where where anyone is savvy on on uh, sound, music, uh, you know, scripting, uh, yeah. cre- crafting beautiful content. The third uh, layer of this uh, revolution, I believe, is the experience economy, where we really need to engage with consumers. Let's bring this wow factor to everything we do. And I believe it's uh, where companies need to have a purpose. And and it's where we connect really uh, through experiences that actually understand consumers. And... um, and through, through through the five senses, you know, visual, hearing, uh, taste, touch, and smell, you know, all of the senses uh, crafted to, to engage with these consumers. Yeah, I love that. Ezekiel, you have, you have given me and the listeners a lot to think about. Um, if, if folks want to find out more, if they want to engage with your company, if they want to check out your art, what's the best way to, to, to reach out? Well, I'm pretty much every, I don't have a website or a corporate email, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you can find me any, in any social media you know, platform. You know, I'm LinkedIn. Uh, on Instagram, you're going to see my, my art, not about branding, uh, but anywhere you can actually find me. You know, type my name and I'm there. Thank you. I I can't thank you enough. Like I love this, I love this stuff. You know I do, and I love talking to you about it. And you're so, just such a thoughtful individual. And uh, I just, uh, you make me feel that the world's a better place. So thank you so much for coming on. Um, This is uh, DTC Growth Hacking. It's presented by Field Test. Um, We produce uh, a new episode weekly. They come out on Tuesdays. If you like this type of stuff, if you're trying to figure out, you know, what's going to work for you, um, we do our best to bring on experts and uh, with a lot of different perspectives. And so, um, you know, we'll, we'll keep bringing folks on and, and you guys keep listening. Um, podcast is edited and engineered by Garrett Griebel. My name's Rob McGray, and our guest today was Ezekiel Edison. Thank you, Ezekiel. Thank you very much. This was a Field Test Podcast.